Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And it's what he did here. And then he says, as soon as the sun rises, in verse three, send him away. So the morning is light. The men were sent away, they and their asses. So here we see the boys are finally on their way can't you just picture them? They're so happy. They said, wasn't that a great yesterday? Oh, man, it was so wonderful. We had a meal together with the governor. We were so happy. We were eating. We were drinking. We were just happy. Oh, they were thinking to themselves, everything is all right now. <laughs> and so they have no idea that the silver cup is in Benjamin's sack as they just head off with this real warm send-off. And then Joseph tells the steward to wait till they get just outside the town, just outside the city, and then go probably with a band of soldiers, overtake them and accuse them, which is what happened in verse four, when they were going out of the city, not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, up, follow after the men, when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? So these little statements that we see here, it's very, they're tucked away. These first six verses, that's easy to overlook. And that's in verse two, and speaking about the steward. He did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And then in verse six, he spake unto them these same words. So there's an emphasis here when this is given to us, these two statements. I mean, you think this was easy for the steward to do? It was not really easy. He's being asked to lie. I mean, you know, the steward's being asked to accuse the brothers of something he knew they had not done. And he did a pretty good job of it, and he had to because he not only had to do a good job in front of the, the brothers, he had to do a good job in front of the soldiers as well. He had to sound very convincing in front of both the brothers and soldiers. And, and you know, maybe the steward would have said something like, I don't get it. Because, you know, to Joseph, you've been teaching me all about the God of truth, and now you're asking me to lie. <laughs> but but he, told, he did what he was told to do. You know, it's, it's kind of like the Jewish midwives who were told to kill the Jewish baby boys by Pharaoh in Egypt, and they saved them alive. And it says, and I don't want to comment on it, it just says in Exodus 1.18, the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, they're lively. <laughs> Man, and they're delivered here. The midwives come in unto them. It's like, you know, where, where's the baby? Oh, he flew out of here. <laughs> that baby was born and walked out of the door. <laughs> and then it says, God, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. 
So the steward here, he's not questioning Joseph. He just did what he was told to do. That's faithfulness. He was obeying Joseph. And now, like we said here, Joseph had the brothers leave at the crack of dawn, and as soon as they get out of town, then he has them pursued. And you can feel this in verse four when Joseph says to the steward, up, you know, like, get up and go, follow after the men when thou hast overtake them. So why do you think that Joseph pursued and overtook them just when they were outside the city. Got any idea why? Yeah, okay. It was the commitment to stealing. That's actually right. It showed their commitment to stealing because if he let them go a little bit farther, you know, he was afraid they might do like they did before, go, what's in these sacks now? You know, oh, we got a cup here. Let's go back there and return it. So then they wouldn't be committed to stealing. But, but so he says, you've got to hurry up and get them to prevent them from having any time to go through their, their sacks, their find the cup, and then voluntarily want to return the cup. We've got, we got to really catch them cold with the goods. So this is an, an important part of Joseph's plan. Now we see that Joseph is doing something in his plan. Very, very integral is that he places the cup in Benjamin's sack. That was a key to the overall plan of bringing this to brothers to repentance. Now, let me, let me say that. Uh, if you were to, to say there was a root sin in how the brothers treated Joseph. So if you were to identify in the brothers the root sin of how the brothers treated Joseph, what would you say that sin was? Yeah, jealousy, exactly. Jealousy, or as the Another word is envy, envy, right? Because it says in Genesis thirty-seven, eleven, Genesis thirty-seven, eleven, when he was back at home as the seventeen-year-old, his brethren envied him, envied him. So it's jealousy, it's envy. And what is jealousy and envy? It's really to hate someone because he has something more than you. That's what it is. It's to hate someone because he has something more than you. Now, when Joseph was at home, what did he have more than the other brothers? His love and his coat. He had his coat, right? He had the coat of many colors. And the brothers could say, well, we don't have a coat like that. Oh, no, but he does. Oh. And so that's what it says in Genesis 37, 3. Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. He made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So, This is the sin that Joseph's brothers had against Joseph. They envied him. They were jealous of him because he was loved more by their father than they were, and he had this coat of many colors that they didn't have. So Joseph's goal here is to see his brothers repent of the envy. That's really important. It's the envy or the jealousy. They must repent of jealousy and envy. That's got to be, that's part of his plan here, his goal. Now, Joseph, in a sense here, is going to take and try to turn the clock back to see if he can create a situation where he can get them to repent of envy. Now, he can't actually turn the clock back to where he was in there and get them to repent of envying Joseph, but he can set up a situation with another brother that will stand in this situation in representing Joseph, and then Joseph can sit back and see whether the brothers envy that brother. Now, what did Benjamin have that the other brothers did not have? What did he recently have? 
he had more food. So he had more food. So just like Joseph had the coat that they didn't have, he had five times more food. And it wasn't because he was especially hungry and they gave him five times more food or because he was especially large because he was the youngest after all. So back home, it was clear to them also that Benjamin did have this special love of the father because they had witnessed how the father said, oh, you guys go down there, I don't care, but not him. You know, I don't want to let him go. He's the last one that I have, uh, the only woman I ever loved, Rachel. So Joseph, in his overall plan the day before here, he has set up this situation where Benjamin got five times more food. And that was part of his plan. It was, it was very much like giving uh, Benjamin the coat of many colors, only it was the coat of five times the food. So Joseph's plan here is to see if the brothers still have this sin of envy in them. This is marvelous because Joseph has now really turned the clock back 25 years and recreated in Egypt at that feast his childhood days when he was back in Canaan. It's exactly the way it was 25 years ago, except Benjamin is going to play the role of Joseph, and Joseph is going to play the role of Jacob, showering this special attention on Benjamin. So this exact same scene of Jacob giving to Joseph the better coat of many colors is now the better portion of food. So we understand what Joseph was doing in that meal there. He's closely now, that's why it says he set up his table across from them, so it's not like Saidi has to look at he can just kind of really eagle eye him and see how they're going to treat Benjamin. And that explains to us why Joseph insisted that when they returned, they had to bring Benjamin, because he needed Benjamin to execute his plan to see if they had repent of the envy. So if the brother's response to Benjamin's fortune was envy, then he would know that, but Joseph could read if the brothers had repented of what they had done to him, and that was important. So he creates a similar situation where the one brother is favored, okay, and the other, and to see whether the brothers are going to yield to the temptation. That was pretty smart of Joseph. That's pretty clever. Now, that was part one of Joseph's plan to see if the brothers would just repeat their Genesis 37-4 envy of hating Joseph because he had the coat of many colors and he was loved by the father more. Now, and the great thing is, is that the brothers passed that repentance test because they didn't show any resentment, no envy of Benjamin because he got five times more food than they got. Now, That was part one, and that was the test for the the sin of envy to see whether or not that was gone out of him. Now comes part two. Now, and part two now, and he's probing more into the reality of repentance. Because after all, what is repentance? Repentance is a change. Joseph is testing here to see if the brothers have changed, if they're not the same as he remembers that they were. So there was something else that happened in the childhood life of Joseph. What do you remember? What did Joseph do that got the brothers in trouble? He spied on them, right? He spied, he tattled on them. Remember that? In Genesis 37-2, Genesis 37-2 is where it starts off. It says that that he was 17 years old. He was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So, We don't know what they were doing. We don't need to know what they were doing. It's better we don't know what they're doing. But whatever they were doing, it was bad. And he come and he tells his father about it. 
And so he got his brothers in trouble. Joseph got his brothers in trouble, and his brothers didn't appreciate that. They hated him all the more because he got them in trouble. So part two of Joseph's plan is, again, Benjamin will play the role of Joseph. Joseph will play the role of Jacob. And Joseph now has set up this scenario. He set up this situation where Benjamin is going to get his brothers in trouble. And then he's going to see whether or not they hate Benjamin for getting him in trouble. Now, let's see, what, what could Benjamin do to get him in trouble? What did Joseph have Benjamin do to get his brothers in trouble? Yeah, steal the cup. Set him up to steal the cup. And he says in verse 9, verse 9, With whomsoever thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we will also be my Lord's bondmen. So they said, if the cup is found in any of the brothers said, if the cup is found in anybody's sack, then we'll all become slaves, he says. And what happened? <laughs> Verse 12, he searched and began at the eldest, left to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they, they rent their clothes in verse 13, and they rent their clothes. So just picture that. I mean, just picture that scene where, the, where, where each brother is standing there by his sack, and he's, and he's, he's you know, he's like letting it be searched. You know, maybe they start off, you know, like this one, you know, it's going to be found over there. Then maybe they kind of get to, you know, like this. You know, maybe it's like this then. I don't know. But anyway, so just picture that. And they're thinking that if that silver cup is found in any of the brother's sacks, then that brother is going to be responsible for us all becoming slaves for the rest of our lives. And then the silver cup is found in Benjamin's sack. And you can imagine how the brothers looked at Benjamin. I mean, they thought, you just got us in a lot of trouble, you know? How could you do something so stupid as to steal that cup? You just made it so that now we're gonna be slaves down here for the rest of our lives. So when it says that in verse 13, they rent their clothes, it shows how they all knew that Benjamin just got them into a lifetime of trouble. Now, that's Joseph's part two. That's the part two of his test. That's the part two called the you got us in trouble test. And it was all designed to see whether they repented or not. So when the brothers came back, Joseph looked very carefully to see if any of the brothers had that, you know, blame look at Benjamin. How could you? I hate you for getting us all in trouble. And they didn't. They didn't. And so now Joseph has seen that the brothers have passed the repentance test of part one of you are loved and honored more than us. And Joseph didn't see any envy. That was great. And now he's thrilled that they passed that part one test, the repentance. And now he's seen that the brothers have passed the repentance test part two, which is you got us in trouble. And he didn't see any hatred or blame Benjamin. So again, he's thrilled to see that the brothers passed the part two of the repentance test. And he's watching them because they've been falsely accused and imprisoned at this point. And did that ever happen to Joseph? (laughs) He was falsely accused and imprisoned because of Potiphar's wife. So he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. So he set it up. He set him up. He set up the scenario of them being falsely accused and about to become imprisoned so that he gets an opportunity to see how they're going to respond. Now, the brothers had said in verse 10 that the person who stole the cup, that that person should be put to death. But also, we will all become slaves. 
So that's what the brothers said. You find the one who stole the cup, he dies, we all become slaves. But in verse 10, and Joseph, he instructed the steward exactly what to say, and the steward does not accept their proposal. He says no, but he modifies it, he changes it, and he says in verse 10, he said, now also let it be according to your words, he with whom it shall be found shall be my servant, and you will be blameless, and you'll be blameless. So Joseph has said, the situation will be that the person who stole the cup, he will become the slave, and the others will go free. And this is now part three. This is the third part of Joseph's repentance test, where Joseph has set it up so that one brother is going to be the slave and the others will go free. Now, how did that turn the clock back for Joseph to see if the brothers repented in the past? How did that do that? What happened in the past? Yeah. All right. They walked away. And that was in Genesis 37, 28. Thereby, the Midianites, merchantmen, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and brought Joseph into Egypt. So Joseph has again wonderfully, successfully turned the clock back 25 years to where Joseph is now playing the role of the Midianites and Benjamin is playing the role of Joseph. So here we are, more than two decades later. One brother becomes a slave and the other brothers are free. They're free to abandon the one brother that became a slave. That's what they did 25 years ago. They sold the one, one was a slave, and they were free to abandon him and walk away. So by setting up this same scenario where one brother, Benjamin, becomes a slave, and the other brothers are free to walk away, abandon him, Joseph has now set up an opportunity to see if the brothers have repented and if they're going to do the same thing that they did 25 years ago to him or act differently. And we learned that time from Reuben saying so that Joseph cried to them for mercy. And we can be sure that as Joseph was carried away slave, Joseph was begging them, don't abandon me. Don't do this. I'm your brother. So here Joseph has set up the scenario where Benjamin now is the slave and and they can leave Egypt. They're free to walk out. They can abandon Benjamin just like they abandoned Joseph to the Midianites and, and who carried him down to Egypt to become a slave. And just look at how the brothers pass this part three of the repentance test in verse 16, which says, and Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. So in the past, Joseph watched his brothers abandon him and walk away, abandon him to slavery. And so he wants to see now if they repented. But Joseph, and he sets up this scenario where, like I said, Benjamin is a slave and they've got the opportunity to go, walk, abandon him. And he's thrilled Joseph is thrilled to see that the brothers have really changed now. And there's this third test where Judah rises up, he speaks for all of them. He says, no, we will not abandon Benjamin to be slave. If he's a slave, we'll be slave also. And he sees this, that they would rather become slaves than to abandon Benjamin. And Joseph is thrilled. He's thrilled because he's seen his brothers really have changed they really have repented. They're not doing the same things 
that they did in the past. I mean, these are the three key events in Joseph's life where he had these problems with his brothers. When Joseph was honored and loved by his father, then they envied him. And when he reported on their bad deeds, he got them in trouble. They hated him. And when he became a slave, they walked away. They abandoned him. These were the three defining moments in Joseph's life in relation to his brothers. And it was the moments when his brothers envied him and when his brothers hated him and when his brothers abandoned him. And these are the three sins that his brothers committed against Joseph. Envy, hatred, abandonment. And now Joseph asked the question, have my brothers changed? Have my brothers repented? Have they rid themselves of these sins of envy, hatred, and abandonment? So from this, this marvelous plan that he's executed here, where he set up Benjamin to take his place, and it, to be envied, hated, and abandoned, and then from behind his disguise as the Egyptian governor, he sits there, watches, and evaluates them very carefully to make sure they're no longer harboring these sins of envy, hatred, and abandonment. And they have repented, and that's wonderful. And this has opened the door. This has opened the door. This is why this part of this history is so important here in chapter 44, because without this, there's no door open. But now this repentance on their part has opened the door of reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers. No repentance, no reconciliation. Their repentance has now made them ready to be reconciled with Joseph. Because of their repentance, the door's been opened for reconciliation. That's the same that's true of every person. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ as DRS, dirty, rotten sinners. And we have to repent of our sin before we can be saved. Even if it means crying out to God to help us to change, we need to get a divorce from the sin that we had previously been married to. And so what we've seen here is just an illustration of the importance of repentance. And this is true for everyone today. Unless there's repentance, there can be no reconciliation to God. This is what the Lord Jesus meant when he said in Luke 13.3, Luke 13.3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's why John the Baptist, his whole message was, you gotta get ready for the Lord. And he said in Matthew 3.2, Matthew 3.2, repent ye, for the kingdom of hand is, is at hand, it's right there. That's why the whole message of the gospel in the book of Acts, like in Acts 2.38, is repentance. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And in Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. So if a person thinks that all they got to do is just say some, some, some sinner's prayer, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been a sinner, please forgive me, let me into heaven. And, and if they think they can continue in their sin and just simply receive the Lord Jesus as Savior and not be cast into hell, they're wrong. Because just as we see here with these brothers, there has to be repentance before there can be re reconciliation. And so that's why Joseph created this scenario to put these brothers, turn the clock back, put them in the same situation they were in 25 years ago. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.